Welcome to Leadership and Life with Sandy Giroux. When you think about today's great leaders, do you ever wonder what makes them so great? Is it just the titles they hold? Or could it also be how they behave toward their people? They lead effectively, not because they have a job in their life, but because they bring life to the job. By following their examples, you can do the same. Now, here's your host, Sandy Giroux. Well, hello once again. I'm Sandy Giroux, and this is Leadership and Life. Today, we'll be discussing how to turn your workplace into a wow place by applying wow place rule number three. A wow place is human, not humanoid. Now, if you've listened into the show before, you know I like to start each one with a quote that relates to the topic at hand. And this week is a great one from Leo Buscalia, who says... Too often, we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. I know that kind of sounds like it's an exaggeration, turn a life around, but you know what? You never know what the kind and simple things that you do that might mean nothing to you, but could mean everything to the person who receives it can mean to them and how it can change a day, a morning, a week, or even their life. I had a woman tell me one time, and I was shocked by this because I had no idea that she was going through a really tough time. And because I was there and lent her a listening ear a few times and and really just let her talk and try to give her some advice, she told me later on she had been contemplating suicide. And because someone showed they cared, that was me, which I didn't even know, that it changed everything, and of course, she didn't do it. So you never know what you say, how what you say can mean something to someone that you might never even hear about. And this concept doesn't apply only in our personal lives, but it also applies in our professional lives, since no one stops being human just because they're at work. I mean, everything that happens to us in our personal lives also affects our professional lives. We can compartmentalize as much as we like or as best we can so our personal life doesn't flow over excessively into our work. But come on, we're still all human. Although some of us act a little more humanoid than others. In fact, how many people out there remember Mr. Spock? Now, I hope lots of you are mentally raising your hands right now. Of course, he was the man on Star Trek. I am a big Trek fan, by the way. And he was half human and half Vulcan from another planet. Now, Vulcans had spent centuries training all human emotions out of themselves. But Mr. Spock, being half human, really struggled with this. But he still managed to control and just about eliminate all of the human emotions that existed in his psyche pretty well. Now, if you're a real Trekkie fan, then you'll know the next character who was actually an android who looked human. Well, sort of. <laughs> Got who it is? Are you thinking of it? Of course, it's Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, both of these characters were extremely competent at their jobs and both were completely incapable of feeling or demonstrating human emotion. 
And while it might sound cool to think of working with or for either of them light years into the future, the fact of the matter is that here and now, we are all still human at heart. We want to feel. We want to joke and laugh. We want to connect. We don't want to check our emotions at the door to the workplace, nor should we. And if there is a lack of connection at work, that's what shuts down camaraderie, teamwork, and even honesty and integrity. Because if we've disconnected from our emotions, which, by the way, includes our consciences, from what we actually do when we're there, then why would we hold ourselves to the highest level of effort or sometimes inconvenience just to do the right thing, or even in some cases, even just simple honesty. I know, I know, that sounds terrible. But think about it. It's the people that you really look up to and who hold you to a higher standard that you want to go out of your way for and to do what's right for them. Now, that doesn't mean we're bad people if we don't just do that. I mean, we all strive to be the best people we can, no matter who's looking or not. But it's just human nature that makes us strive harder for those we respect and care about. And by the way, there's even research on communications in the workplace that actually have nothing to do with the human factor, but do show that many things can affect whether we do the right things or not when we're there. There was a study done by the Holmes Report, and it showed that poor communication during change, during times of change, increases misconduct by 42%. 42%. Just because leaders aren't communicating well, well, that's crazy. But it's true. When the communication isn't there and that connection isn't there, people don't pay attention. They'll procrastinate doing the right thing or they'll say, oh, I could let this slide this one time and then misconduct increases. But back to being human in the workplace, for those who say that there is no room for emotion in the workplace, too late. There already is emotion in the workplace. Too bad much of it is negative. So if we're going to be forced to deal with and manage negative emotions in the workplace, well, why wouldn't we make a conscious effort to add positive emotion to the workplace too? And let's think about this. I'm sure that everyone out there in the listening audience has worked with and for humanoids at some point. Heck, you even encounter them in the grocery store for Pete's sake. You make a joke, well, they don't laugh. In fact, they look at you as if you have two heads. I mean, what is it with these people? Here's a word of advice. If someone makes a joke, at least smile, chuckle, even groan, do something rather than just diss them by ignoring them and acting as though they didn't say anything. And you might even hear in the workplace, some leaders justify the aloof behavior by saying, hey, you know what? I'm just here to do my job. It's not my job to make people feel good. I'm not their mom. I'm not their dad. Well, that's workplace thinking. While place thinking says that while it's not necessarily our job to make people feel good, 
It's also not our job to make them feel bad, which can inadvertently happen when we focus solely on one half of the equation but not the other, which is that while I have job duties to perform while I'm here, absolutely, I have my job duties to perform, there are also human duties that accompany every aspect of our professional as well as our personal lives. Allow me to share a story with you that is one of the most human and compassionate stories I've ever heard. It's about a friend of my husband's, and his name is Joe. Joe is larger than life, six foot five, big burly guy with a shock of white hair on his head and a completely infectious laugh that can be heard from one end of a room to the other. Joe absolutely loves life, and it shows. Well, Joe told us once that in his working life, early in his working life, he once had a job as a debt collector. Now, I know that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? A debt collector who loves life. But really, I think Joe may have been the perfect person to do this because he was human and too many debt collectors are humanoids who forget that they're dealing with living, breathing, feeling human beings while doing that challenging job. But Joe never forgot that he was dealing with people. He told us once of a family who had gotten so far behind in making payments on their stove that it had to be repossessed. But when Joe got there to take the stove, the wife said to him, oh, but but dinner is cooking and it's not done yet. Now, any humanoid would have said, and that's my problem, why? <laughs> Get the food off the stove. I'm taking it. But not Joe. You see, Joe was a human and he had gotten to know this family and he liked them. Better yet, they liked him. So the wife said, well, why don't I finish cooking? You stay for dinner and then you can take the stove after dinner. Will that be okay? So Joe stayed for dinner. And when dinner was over, Joe took the stove with him when he left. Now, how many people do you know who would invite their debt collector to dinner? Hey, honey, guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> I don't think so. But how many debt collectors are human enough to get invited to dinner? Not many. Another time, Joe told us he had to repossess a TV. But when he arrived, the children were watching cartoons and he didn't have the heart to take the TV. So even just knowing this tiny little bit about Joe, what do you think he did? Well, if you're thinking that he sat down and watched cartoons with the children for the next 15 minutes and then took the TV you're right. You see, Joe proves beautifully that you can be human and still get your job done, even in a tough situation like the ones he experienced as a debt collector. And we can all take a lesson, in fact, quite a few lessons from Joe's story. First, we can learn that taking a very few minutes to be human to someone else in need or in a tough situation 
doesn't take anything away from us or our ability to do our jobs. In fact, it will probably make our job easier because the people we're dealing with will be more human and understanding and cooperative in return with us. Second, if we keep in mind that the people we're dealing with are all dealing with some difficult situations of their own, it helps us not only help them, but doesn't it feel much better for us to do even the tough things we have to do as leaders if we're also being the most compassionate and human we can be toward others? I mean, there are many, many times as leaders that we have to tell people things that will be difficult for them to hear, aren't there? When we have to coach them because they're not doing something right or they've made a mistake and need to correct it or even that they just don't know what they don't know and we have to bring something to their attention. But if we always do it in the spirit of helping them learn and grow and always in the most compassionate way possible, we at least increase the chances that They'll be able to accept our coaching and move forward positively with it. And if we don't give them coaching to help them correct things, how do they ever learn where they're making a mistake and how do they ever grow so that they can go past where they are today? They can't. So we need to be conscious of the fact that we're actually doing them a service when we're coaching them, even if we have to bring difficult things to their attention. And third, I'll bet that because Joe was being kind to the people he dealt with, he avoided a lot of the potentially explosive and dangerous situations that can often come with any job, but especially one like that. And it had to have been true because he wouldn't have gotten dinner invitations and gotten to spend time with people's children if he hadn't behaved in a human way toward them. See, when you really show people you care about them, they do things that you would never expect. In fact, here's another story that really highlights this point. I was at a conference once and after the keynote that I had delivered, I was chatting with some of the vendors who were sponsoring the event. Now, they'd been in the room when I was speaking and one of them, afterwards, when I went out and started chatting with them, shared a story with me because it connected with the points I was making in my presentation. And what he said was that in one of his past lives, he bought a restaurant that was already in business. And along with the restaurant came not only the building and contents, but the workers as well. Now, most of his team members were great and working out very well right from the start. But there was one long-term team member who was responsible for doing the food prep for the next day's menu and worked on the 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift. She excelled at her job and could consistently be counted on to get her work done on time and very capably. Now, the only thing was, though, that she was also extremely unpleasant to work with. Now, other team members who were tired of having to deal with her moodiness began avoiding her. And that avoidance quickly progressed to complaining about her to the new owner, basically asking him to do something about her behavior or really about her, i.e., that is, get rid of her and get someone else into that 
position. Now, he didn't particularly want to lose this person, though, because her work was excellent, and he didn't want to have to train someone else to do her job, but her attitude was reaching the point of driving away other good team members, and he did what every good leader really does, right? He thought about the fact that he had to keep his entire team safe. So as difficult as it was for him to think about talking to her, coaching her, finding out what he could do, or even, heaven forbid, firing her, he bit the bullet and did what he needed to do and tackled that difficult conversation. See, he realized that he had four choices at this point. One, he could ignore the problem and hope that it either went away or that the others would get used to her being that way and wouldn't let it bother them, which, <laughs> let's face it, was going to be very unlikely. No one has to get used to someone else's bad mood and bad behavior, especially when they're sitting here saying, hey, I'm busting my butt trying to be a good team member and getting paid for it. And here she is getting paid to do things in a terrible way towards everybody else. Now, his second option was to coach his other employees to accept her that way and not let it bother them. Well, it wasn't going to happen on its own, and he certainly didn't want to ask them to do that. The third option was to talk to her and try to find a way to change her attitude and behavior. And of course, option number four was just to go ahead and fire her. He'd had enough, they'd had enough, they'd had a long enough time with her doing what she was doing and it was only getting progressively worse. Well, he decided to try option number three, talking to her to see what the problem was. So he went to her one morning and said, your work has always been so good and I appreciate what you do for us but I hate to see you so unhappy here. What's going on? Hmm. We're going to take a short break, but stick around to hear the shocking response he heard from her when he asked that question. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. Hi there. Thanks for coming back. Before the break... I was telling you about the restaurant owner who asked a very simple human question of his worker in an effort to find out why her work was so good, but why she seemed so unhappy there. Um, Rather than just firing her, which would have been what many leaders probably would have done, but also notice how he phrased the question. Instead of saying to her, your work has always been so good and I appreciate what you do for us, but... Other people are complaining about your attitude or turning it into a negative thing like, why are you so grumpy? He turned it around to be concerned about her, to show his human compassion and empathy for her and asked her, I hate to see you so unhappy here. What's going on? And guess what the shocking response was that he heard? She said, I hate getting up early in the morning. What? That was it? She hated getting up early in the morning? Well, putting on his creative thinking hat and to clarify in his own mind what her responsibilities were at the restaurant, he asked, well, wait a minute. Your job is to prepare the food for the next day's menu, right? And she said, yes. And suddenly it hit him. He said, well, wait a minute. I don't see any reason why you have to come in at 7 a.m. to do that. Do you? She said, no. We said, well, what if we changed your shift? So it started at maybe 11 instead. (laughs) Now it was her turn to be shocked. She asked, really? You'd let me do that? Of course. Why not? So they changed her shift. And the change in both her attitude and her interpersonal relationships was instantaneous. You see, Predictably, this team member had decided that her fate was sealed. She had no choice but to do her job as it always had been done on that morning shift. It never occurred to her that she might have had success asking for a change in the timing of her shift, even though there was no reason for her boss not to agree to that. I mean, maybe she just wanted to avoid conflict. Assuming he'd just say no anyway, maybe from past experience with other bosses, or maybe it never even occurred to her to ask. So she didn't. But thankfully, her new boss thought of it and was human enough to care about her happiness and the happiness of her entire team and flexible enough to think of options to make it happen. And guess what? That kind of attitude also translates to customer service. 
I recently had an experience where one of my favorite airlines lost my luggage for over 24 hours, causing me for the first time in over 18 years of speaking and training to have to conduct my first day of training wearing blue jeans because I had decided to get comfortable on that particular flight and wear my jeans. Well, this was due to the fact, too. I mean, yeah, usually you can recover from that. They'll send the luggage to the hotel or you have enough time to do it. But unfortunately, they had kept telling me all afternoon that my luggage was going to be delivered to my hotel, only to find out at almost 11 p.m. that they didn't have it after all and couldn't get it to me. And besides, my hotel was an hour away from that airport. So I couldn't have even driven back to do that. By that time, it was too late for me to try to find some place that was still open and had clothing that was suitable for me to wear the next day. Now, thankfully, my client and all my attendees were very understanding of my predicament and didn't mind at all that I was standing before them in blue jeans. However, since then, I've started taking only carry-on luggage whenever possible. And on one particular trip after this problem happened, I had my carry-on bag, but because the security lines were so ridiculous on this particular morning, and I had been deselected for TSA pre-check that morning, I mean, that was pretty awesome. I'll tell you, love getting it and hate when I don't, but I was late getting to the gate. So even though I'd been assigned to an early boarding group and should have been able to board the, the plane early, With my bags, the flight was almost completely boarded and full when I got there. Of course, it was completely full. So now the gate attendants were trying to check all of the carry-on bags because there wasn't enough room for all of them. Now, at first I thought it was just being gate-checked, which meant I could get my bag at the door, you know, when I get off at the next stop and then carry it on the next plane to my final destination. However, the gate attendant started giving me a claim check for my baggage at my final stop. When I saw this, I said, oh, oh no, this isn't just being gate checked. And when he said, no, it's all the way through, I said, can't I just gate check it? Now, this man could have stuck to his rigid plans and rigid instructions and just said, no, you've got to check it all the way through and here's your baggage claim. But instead, he put on his human caring hat and said one simple sentence to me. He asked, what's the deal? (laughs) I love that. What's the deal? So I told him about my recent experience with that airline losing my luggage and he told me, that, okay, take your bag on with you. There's probably just enough room. And there was on board for a couple more bags. So it worked out just fine. But I have to tell you that this one attitude and that one simple sentence made me appreciate his attitude and caring so much that the airline has actually become even more of a favorite of mine as a result. So Just remember the impact that this kind of attitude and flexibility can have on your customer service as well as your leadership. In fact, it comes right down from the top. If you treat your people that way, they'll be inspired to treat 
others that way and to treat each other within the organization that way. That will inspire them to treat their customers the same way. And it's a cycle that definitely proves that what goes around comes around. And now, I know you're going to be shocked by this, but I have another story to share with you. And here it is. A worker at a golf course told me this story. He and his co-workers gather every morning to plan their day. And meanwhile, three leaders of the golf course gather in the general manager's office similarly planning their day. Now, these other workers are pretty much right outside the GM's office, and they're all planning everything accordingly. Well, when the leaders' meeting is over, all three leaders every day exit the office and walk right by the workers gathered outside it as if they didn't even exist. I mean, how hard would it be for any of those leaders to say hello to their employees or thank you for being here on time. We have a really busy day today or I appreciate you always being here for us. I value your work and your dedication. How long would that take? 10 seconds? And how much does that cost? Not one penny. But it does pay huge dividends in not only the quality of people's work, but in their treatment of customers as well when they're treated to a little bit of appreciation themselves. I mean, think about it. With these leaders treating the workers like furniture or something else inside the golf club, how inspired will they be to treat the customers who are there at the golf course as more than scenery or landscaping out on the course. You know, they're only going to treat their customers as well as they are treated themselves. And if they feel valued, then they'll be more apt to value others. And the cycle goes on. Now, one of the things that leaders are told is that they shouldn't be friends with their employees. Well, we don't have to be best buds with our people, but we sometimes forget that there is a big difference between friendship and friendliness. Just because we can't be best friends with most people we lead doesn't mean we can't be friendly with all of the people that we lead. In fact, one of my clients in a hospital system was at a program, and I met one of their leaders. And during the day, he told me that he would be opening up a new hospital soon, and he would be the one to head up the new hospital. Now, his people, many of whom had worked with him for years, some of them 15 years or more, were all asking him to take them with him. They were saying to him, I don't care what I have to do. I I almost don't care how much you pay me. Just you're taking me with you when you open that hospital, aren't you? Wow. I mean, they just wanted to work for him. So throughout the day, I began to ask them, why do you want to work for him so badly? And here's what I heard. One thing was, he respects us and asks for our input, and then he actually takes it. (laughs) What a concept. (laughs) I also heard, he's a lot of fun to work with. Not stuffy and stodgy, but he has a great sense of humor. And another one was, he always takes time to show everyone that he cares about us as people. And finally, 
He really knows his stuff, but he doesn't act like he's better than everyone else. Over and over, we kept hearing comments like this. Sound familiar? I mean, sounds to me like he was pretty human and caring and friendly with his people. And that engendered a desire to continue to work with this leader at his new hospital almost no matter what. And as a matter of fact, it's funny, I coincidentally met up with him several years later at another conference where we were both speaking because he was presenting the results at his new hospital because they were actually winning an award for excellence. He shared with me his numbers for interviewing and hiring for the hospital, and you will not believe what they were. Hang on to your hats. You're going to be floored when you hear this. Here are the numbers. He had 27,891 applicants, then 3,944 recruiter interviews, 1,768 hiring manager interviews for 803 jobs. Did you get that? Almost 28,000 applicants for 803 jobs. This at a time when most companies are lamenting the fact that they can't get enough qualified people to even apply for jobs at their organizations, let alone retain them and then get them to do their best for the good of the leader and the company. This man had no trouble at all. In fact, he had the opposite problem. He even half-joked with me that he practically had to do therapy with some of them who had been with him for so long and were devastated that he didn't have jobs for them at the new hospital. How'd you like to have that problem? I mean, that's a great problem to have, especially compared with the opposite problem of not being able to find enough good people to staff your organization, which is what so many too many are experiencing right now. I mean, it's an employee's market right now and employers are struggling with this. But not only that, but the bigger problem is that once you get those stellar people into your organization, it's tougher to keep them there. So you really have to do something special, something wow, in order to overcome that temptation to go find greener grass somewhere else, especially in that younger generation who either hasn't worked for a lot of leaders yet, so they may not know just what they have in your organization unless you really wow them, or they haven't had enough experience or they're just really, I mean, how many young people now are just saying it's no longer taboo to jump jobs, you know, to job hop and to change on the drop of a hat. So many people are doing that. We have to give them reasons not to do that now. The good news is that if you look at what really wows people, It's not like you have to jump through hoops or go to the moon and back to do that. No, it's in the very simple actions of respecting them, listening to them, and taking an interest in their welfare that will make them sit up and say, wow, from what I'm seeing and hearing, I'm not going to get this kind of treatment at many other places, and I really appreciate the interest this person is taking in me or the help they're giving me to create not just a a job but a career and a life, so I'm staying. And 
here's some more additional supporting evidence of why these simple acts of wow worked so well for him. It's actually a couple of trivia questions that point the way for us. The first one is, what is the number one reason that attracts someone to a particular company? Do you have any guesses? Now, I mentioned it on my very first show in case you were listening in then and maybe you remember that it's the ability to develop a career path, which clearly shows people's desire to take care of themselves while they're taking care of their employers. They want to know that they're building skills, interpersonal skills, job skills, career skills that will also help them build a life and create a lifestyle for them many years into the future. So they're looking at what kind of help they can get from you and what kind of a career path that might take them there, either in your organization or if you give them the skills, even in another organization, because we know they're not going to stay with us forever. So when their leaders help them with that, they're grateful for the personal interest in helping them grow. But do you know what the number two reason is? Well, I'll give you a moment to think about that while we take a quick break for these messages. Come on back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. 
Now, back to Leadership and Life. Welcome back. Have you been thinking about what the number two reason is that attracts people to a particular workplace? Well, there are two reasons that are actually tied for second place. One is the ability to have a flexible work environment. So people really like that flexibility, sometimes maybe staying home one day a week or being able to change their hours if needed, either a couple of days a week or as needed when emergencies arise. The other is working for competent management teams with bosses who are considerate. Hmm. Sounds like they like working for humans, not humanoids to me. Now, I've given you some information on how to connect with people on a human level every day, but let's talk about one more thing we can do to show them that we really care about them and really want them with us right from day one. And that starts with our onboarding process. In other words, how do we make them feel like a member of the club, if you will, or of the team right from the start? Do we do that or do we leave it to chance? Do we make it like kind of like those awkward networking events where you know no one and you sit or stand all alone in the room? You walk into that room, you see all these people talking, you don't know anyone, so you're afraid to, you know, break into a click that's there. You're afraid to interrupt someone. You don't want to seem rude, but you also don't want to stand there twiddling your thumbs all night either. So, you know, you kind of sidle up to a group and hope they notice you and open up the ranks and let you in, or that one person will stop talking and actually greet you. And if it doesn't, it is really awkward even for many outgoing people. I mean, I'm pretty outgoing when I'm on stage or like even right now on the radio. I know I'm the one who's supposed to be doing the talking and I'm excited about what I have to say and I'm very animated and outgoing in that sense. But you get me into one of those situations and I suddenly become an incredible introvert and it's even difficult for me to break into those situations Sometimes it's downright excruciating. So how do we overcome this in the workplace and actually prevent it from happening at all? Well, we can do it by fixing a few of the most typical problems that I see with many organizations on boarding processes. So first, ask yourself, is there someone there to meet and greet them when they arrive? I know very often there is a human resource person who makes that first contact, but sometimes there's not, especially in smaller companies. So who greets them if there's no process in place for an HR person to do that? I can't tell you how many times I've heard that someone goes to a new company and no one is there to meet and greet them. Or this is even worse. They'll go to the company. They'll even have the name of someone they're supposed to meet when they get there. But the person's not you know, immediately obvious. They have to hunt around asking for that person. And when they finally find the person there, the person has not been told that they were supposed to meet that person. So they're completely taken by surprise. I'm supposed to what? Oh, I, well, 
okay, well, I guess if I'm supposed to show you around, let me do it. And boy, that really sounds welcoming and encouraging, doesn't it? But no one bothered to tell them the communication process has broken down. But let's say you do have an HR person meet and greet the new people. What happens after that meeting is over? Is there someone for them to meet up with after that who can show them some of the ropes or get them familiar with the office or their department, their warehouse, give them just a friendly face in the crowd so they feel welcomed into the group of people that they'll be working with? And you know what? Plan for that and then plan a backup just in case that person is late or can't come in that day. See, when we want to turn a workplace into a wow place, we look for every single opportunity to wow and welcome that person and make them feel good. And then we think of all of the things that could go wrong and figure out a backup plan for them so that they don't go wrong without some safety net there. Now, that personal touch aside Here's another biggie that I hear so often. A new person is hired and they get into the company that morning and there is no computer equipment for them or maybe no desk or sometimes not even a cubicle. They're in a closet that's dusty and dirty and they're told, oh, well, we'll get you something soon. Or maybe they have a desk and a cubicle or an office, but They have no logins, no passwords, so none of their technology works because they haven't been set up yet. So even if they have a place to sit, they can't really start working or even get onto the system to start poking around to figure out what they're supposed to do. I mean, come on. Was it a surprise that this person was starting today? This boggles my mind, and yet I hear this time after time after time, or even if I don't hear it directly, I'll be talking about this, and several people will start looking at each other and rolling their eyes or giggling because it's happened to them often recently. (laughs) So how welcome or productive does that make them feel on day one or whatever day however many days it takes them to get it right. It usually makes them feel like no one has the time or cared to make the time to get them set up. So why are they even there? And (laughs) I just alluded to the fact that this doesn't even apply to just the first day. I've heard of people who have gone days and sometimes even weeks without all the proper tools to do their jobs. So make sure you've got all the tools ready for them, that they need to feel good about themselves and your organization right from the start. Now, here's a real wow idea for you. Let's say the person does have someone to meet and greet them and show them around and they even have the equipment and tools necessary to do their job. So they're all set during the work hours. What happens when it's break time or lunch time? Is anyone thinking about that new person's experience then? I mean, this can be the most awkward part of the day. So plan to have someone for them to lunch with on day one. And then, if you really want to create a wow, think about what will happen on day two. Will the person from day one feel like they're saddled with this new person for life and feel obligated to continue to take them to lunch every day? What if they don't really feel a connection? and they don't want to do that, then it probably won't happen. So here's a great idea. 
have a process in place to set every new employee up with a different person for lunch every day during their first week. Now, it can be someone from their direct department on that first day, but on subsequent days, what if you select one person from each department that the new employee might have to interact with so they feel they can put a name with a face from those departments when they begin doing their job. Now, not only does this help the new person feel truly like a a good member of the team more quickly, but it may help them find others that they have connections with and they can begin building friendships with those people more quickly as well. That inclusiveness, that inclusion on the team and that welcoming on the team has a huge impact on how long it takes for the person to feel like part of the team and how long they will be retained. Because guess what? Those first couple of weeks are crucial to make that first wow impression to help retention improve. Now, If you're in a construction-related business and you work out in the field, obviously your new people may just be assigned to a crew. But think about how that crew can be more welcoming to the new person too. I've heard many times that crews can be clicky too. And new people aren't really feeling welcome at the start. And if it goes on too long, they leave. Helping set up expectations for a new crew member is really helpful here. I mean, you could relate stories of how it may take a little time for the guys to really warm up. Maybe because it's a dangerous job and the new person's going to have to prove him or herself before the others are going to trust them, sometimes with their lives. Or maybe it took you a while to get to know people too, but once you did, it was great. Storytelling can be a great asset here so the new person doesn't feel like it's just them or that others are shunning them personally. Hey, this is just what happens, and once you prove yourself, it'll be wonderful. So just hang in there for a week or two. Prove yourself. Be on time. Be committed. Be excellent at what you do, and these guys and gals will warm up to you quickly. Now, another big stumbling block is when there's a whole, quote-unquote, language, so to speak, at the organization, like you have in the military. How many acronyms are there in our military? And people usually don't start those jobs knowing all the lingo, especially if they're civilians in the offices of the military establishments. So maybe you could publish a glossary of terms so they don't have to constantly keep asking others, what does this mean? What does that mean? which, by the way, makes them feel really dumb. And after a while, they're going to stop asking because they don't want to really feel stupid anymore asking 50 times, what does this mean? So if there's no place for them to learn these simple things that can be automated without making them feel stupid by having to go to someone, it could go on way too long or they could just really start getting a bad taste for the job. Some organizations have actually created a buddy system for the first 30 days of any new employee's employment to handle all of these types of things. Others have created mentoring and reverse mentoring systems to engage people and get them sharing their knowledge and skills and expertise with others. And here's one more big thing, especially with the millennial generation, offer them at least limited access to the higher ups. They want to learn from you. So find forums to help them do so. Some companies create what they call fireside chats, which are informal get-togethers once a month or once a quarter with people at all levels after work. 
where they can ask questions, get advice, etc. Others have weekly huddles, including everybody at every level of the organization where they gather together for a status update of the weekly activities and they allow employees to ask questions of anyone on the executive team. You can also make yourself more accessible to others by conducting management by walking around rather than remaining locked in your office every day. But whatever you choose to do, just put yourself in the shoes of your people and figure out what their expectations are and what their experiences are in your organization or proactively what they will be and find a way to make it more inclusive, welcoming, human, and wow. And that brings us to today's segment on food for which I want to share you with you one of my favorite appetizers Italian style stuffed mushroom caps now I love all kinds of mushroom caps and you can create the stuffing with just about anything you like but knowing I'm Italian you won't be surprised to hear that in addition to the typical breadcrumbs and butter I use tiny little chopped up pieces of pepperoni and grated parmesan cheese in my stuffing Ooh, this gives the stuffing a little zing, and I often find myself having a hard time just eating a couple so I can save room for dinner. I could make a whole meal of, of those. It's so good. But be sure to use really fresh mushrooms for this. If they're starting to get dark or soft in spots, it will give your mushrooms a really funky smell and taste. And as Daphne Moon, the English home health aide in the TV sitcom Frasier, said, that's enough to put you off your tea. <laughs> So you might need to clean them up a bit, but you can find that recipe on my show page under the links for the recipes. But uh, just give it a try. I think you'll really enjoy these. Now that brings us to the end of our show. I want to thank you for being here. I hope you've enjoyed the stories and tips I've shared on how to make your workplace more human. And please keep this quote from Roy T. Bennett in mind as you go through your days. Do not let the roles you play in life make you forget that you are human. So please join me next week as I interview a wonderful leader who shares her philosophy on leadership and shows us the impact of caring about her people in the workplace. Judy Coker is an exceptional leader. Please plan to join us as she offers insights, lessons, and fun facts about herself and her people that demonstrate the impact that a truly human leader can have on their organization. Until then, I'm Sandy Giroux, and I'm looking forward to being with you again next Tuesday on Leadership and life. Thank you for joining Sandy Giroux for Leadership and Life. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you again next week.